Thank you for tuning in to Wove Inspiration Podcast with host Althea Richardson. Wove stands for Women of Vision and Excellence, and the mission is to inspire, encourage, and uplift women and the men who love them to becoming all they were predestined to be. And it starts with restoration. Charlene Madden has admittedly spent most of her life living in a state of darkness. After experiencing over nine years of sexualized trauma at the hands of her grandfather, a decade of domestic violence, and three-plus decades of mental illness and suicidal ideation, she was just two days away from taking her life when she attended a woman's workshop where everything changed. Charlene, thank you so much for being on Wove Inspiration. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. So, Charlene, tell me a little bit more about yourself today and what you do. Uh, Today, my life is absolutely amazing. It's so much different than what I ever thought it could possibly be. I, uh, I live in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. I am at the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. I am a mom to three absolutely amazing children. They are all grown and moved out <laughs> and uh, loving their lives. And um, I am happily married. And uh, I am a speaker, an author, and a women's empowerment coach. And it is uh, a life where it allows me to be of service, which is uh, something I'm extremely passionate about. So my life is awesome awesome to hear. So you've shared all of that information with me, but I know at a time, none of that was even a thought in your mind. Go into more detail about what it was like for you when you were growing up. Yeah, my life was definitely a struggle and very much trauma filled. Um, I was born uh, into a very dysfunctional family. My father was a severe alcoholic, and uh, he tended to be violent when he drank. And um, I had an older sister who was four years older than myself, and um, twin brothers who are eight years older than myself. And um, biologically, my brothers weren't my dad's. So unfortunately, when he drank, his violence was directed at them. And when I was about three and a half, my mom made the decision that she needed to leave the marriage because she was afraid that my dad was going to kill one of my brothers in a drunken rage. And she tried to leave with all of us kids, but unfortunately, my dad wouldn't let her take my sister and I. So my mom made the difficult decision of taking my brothers and leaving, which in hindsight probably saved their lives. But being an alcoholic, my father was in no position to raise two little kids. And uh, after just a couple of weeks with my dad, he realized he wasn't capable of looking after us. So he contacted my grandparents and asked if they would take us in. And uh, my grandmother didn't skip a beat. She said, absolutely, she would take us. And um, my grandmother was an absolutely amazing woman, very strong, independent. Um, I think she was ahead of her time from the generation that she came from because she really believed that women should uh, number one get a good education because she had very limited education I think she had grade four three or four education Mm. Um, she thought women should 
make their own money, be independent and not rely on men. And um, I think I learned that lesson maybe a little too well in my <laughs> my earlier years. But And as wonderful as my grandmother was, though, my grandfather was a pedophile. Mm-hmm. So very quickly after moving in with my grandparents, both my sister and I started experiencing um, sexual abuse at his hands. And this was almost a weekly occurrence. And um, it went on for nine years. I was 12 and a half when um, everything came out. Basically, my sister had gone to school one day and had a nervous breakdown because at 16, she was terrified of becoming impregnated by my grandfather. Mm. And um, she went to school and everything came out and my grandfather was arrested. My grandparents divorced and the only family I really truly knew um, was once again, torn apart. Yeah. So I dealt with a lot of shame because of it. I grew up in a small town, so Mm -hmm. everybody, it felt like everybody knew what had happened. And, you know, I dealt with a lot of kids coming to school and saying that their parents said that it was, lies that we were making up because we were just troubled kids because they knew, you know, we came from a broken home. And we're talking the early 80s. So follow-up care and therapy and counseling was not a big thing back then. Plus, I think combined with my grandmother's attitude of just put your head down and get through life, we didn't have the follow-up care that we needed. So I didn't have any way of coping with or dealing with this trauma that I experienced for nine years. So I just took that into my adolescence and um, it created an extremely difficult teenage years. Um, I dealt with uh, depression very early on, uh, suicidal ideologies. I started cutting myself in high school, early years in high school just as a way of coping with the emotional pain because the emotional pain was so overwhelming that I needed that physical pain almost as a distraction. Um, I started drinking heavily and um, even smoking marijuana, anything I could really take and use as a way of numbing the pain that I was feeling is what I, what I did. And of course those are not healthy coping mechanisms by any means. And I struggled through high school. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 15 and a half, almost 16. Um, I was pulled into the guidance counselor's office because I had started writing. I found writing as a, a way of, you know, expressing all of the emotions that I was feeling. And even though I felt like it was a healthier outlet, um, it drew attention because it was very dark and depressing. Mm -hmm. And um, I spent an afternoon being um, interviewed by the school psychologist. And at the end of it, she diagnosed me as being bipolar manic depressive. Not really considering that maybe I was just expressing trauma. Uh, It was easier to label me as being that so in my mind all it was was just labeling me as being crazy on top of everything else so um, all I could think about was getting out of high school moving away because you know we tend to think that geographically if we move where we are we will leave our troubles behind right yeah 
reality fact is it's the the troubles are with us. The trauma is something we carry with us until we learn to resolve it. Mm -hmm. So I moved, uh, graduated high school, moved away and um, just brought my trauma with me. I um, moved with my high school sweetheart and uh, we decided we were going to have a family and get married and live that perfect white picket fence life that we all <laughs> dream about. But um, I didn't have the the tools or the capabilities to really live that life at the time. I was still drinking heavily. Um, I had, you know, we started having children. I had my first daughter when I was 21. Mm -hmm. And I think with each child, I felt it was an opportunity to fix that hole that was inside of me. I thought that a child would fulfill me, that I would be able to repair my past by creating a life, you know, a better life for my kids. But the fact was the trauma that I was carrying with me was not allowing that to happen. I was very disconnected um, from my daughters physically because whenever I physically showed them affection, I would get triggered and it felt wrong. Mm -hmm. So I carried a lot of those feelings and struggles with me. And instead of with each child it getting better, it just progressively got worse to the point where I, when I was 28, I was once again suicidal and was fantasizing and planning on taking my life. And I uh, sat down with my husband one afternoon and said, um, I think I need to leave the household right now. Um, I'm not fit to look after myself, let alone three little kids. And I was terrified of my kids being the ones that were going to find me. So I, uh, I left with the best of intentions of getting myself together and of course, when I left, all it did was trigger new shame again, because now I had just repeated the pattern sure. um, that my parents had done. You know, I wanted to to be there for my kids and provide a loving household. And here I was, um, you know, being an alcoholic and, and, you know, being again, in my mind, crazy and not being there for them, walking away from them like my parents did. So it just kind of, again, sent me down a rabbit hole. And um, about a month after I left my husband and my marriage, I jumped into another relationship. And of course, searching for someone to fix that hole inside of me, yeah. because I wasn't capable of doing it myself. And unfortunately, when they say like attracts like, they are usually correct. Mm -hmm. And uh, the person I got into the relationship with was um, extremely dysfunctional themselves. They were uh, an alcoholic. They were into heavy drugs, which I didn't realize at the time. And they were violent when they drank. So it just felt like a complete uh, return circle of, of my life. And so I started experiencing domestic violence. And it seemed to validate the narrative that I had about myself that mm, okay. I almost felt like that's what I deserved. Like I had so much shame and carried so much guilt for leaving my kids that I thought, well, you're getting exactly what you deserve. Mm, yeah. And, um, and I was so accustomed to abuse that it just seemed normal to me. And um, this relationship went on for, 13 and a half years, I at one point had a failed um, overdose attempt. 
And that led my mom um, to reaching out and um, suggesting that I move with my kids across the country to, um, to start over and they would help me get on my feet. And again, I jumped at the, the uh, geographical running, thinking that that was going to uh, solve my problems. Right. But uh, all it did was carry my problems across the country. <laughs> and um, I left my partner in, you know, the province I'd been living in, in Canada. And, you know, six months later, he followed me out to the new province with the promises that everything would be different and better and and of course it wasn't and it continued and like I said 13 years in after the relationship he left came home one day and told me he was moving out and uh, I thought that that was going to be my opportunity to finally get my life together mm -hmm. I was prepared to start doing the work that I knew I needed to do and um, about two and a half months after he had moved out I had a police officer show up at my place of work and brought me outside and informed me that my ex-partner had actually shot and killed himself. Oh my goodness. Okay. Wow. And um, it sent me down that spiral again. And um, I was feeling lost. I had some guilt because he had reached out a couple of days prior and wanted to talk. And I had said no, because I knew that, you know, I would probably get sucked back into that relationship and um and i didn't want to go backwards i was trying to go forwards in my life so sure. i just you know said no i didn't want to talk to him so i had you know some survivor's guilt kicking in there and then i started to get uh, you know angry it was a couple of weeks after his death i realized i had all this anger inside of me and you know i was sitting with a good friend and she was you know, asking, you know, what was wrong? And I said how angry I was. And she said, well, that's okay. It's one of the stages of grief. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm not angry. He took his life because I could understand why um, I was angry that he did it first mm. because being the person that's left behind, um, you see all the pieces that people have to pick up. You right. see the heartache and the pain and the trauma of the people who are left behind. And I didn't know how I could do that to the people that I loved, but yet I wanted to do it so bad. And I didn't, I was, you know, this, you know, you talk about the angel devil on my shoulders. That's what I was feeling like. Like I wanted to end my life. I was tired of emotionally being in pain. Um, I had developed uh, fibromyalgia. So I was physically in pain. I was just tired of hurting. Yeah. And, um, and I was angry. I was angry at God, you know, who, you know, I was like, how, how do you keep, like, what have I done that, you know, I deserve this? Like, can I not catch a break? Do I not, you know, why do I got to keep, you know, suffering like this? And so, you know, I kind of, that relationship, I pushed aside. I was like, I was so angry inside of everyone and and myself you know i was so angry at myself and i tried to you know i do what i always did i i put that mask on that i was okay which you know most people who are experiencing mental illness we are masters of wearing that mask Absolutely. you know like people had no idea of you know the emotions and what i was going through because i i was so practiced at the art of of being you know okay and 
you know, I was trying to, to make my way. I started seeing a psychiatrist because I thought, okay, you know, I know I'm teetering on the edge here, so maybe I need to reach out and get help. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, on about my third visit with my psychi- psychiatrist, I was, you know, I was getting frustrated because my personality is, you know, I don't mind doing the work, but I'm like, just tell me what to do so I can do it. <laughs> I don't need to talk about my past. I yeah. already know why I'm screwed up. I know why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. I just need you to tell me how to fix it. And, you know, I remember, you know, saying to her in frustration, like, look, just tell me what you did to fix your mental health issues so that I can do it. Mm. And she kind of like her eyes glazed over and she looked at me and she's like, well, Charlene, I've never personally experienced mental health struggles. Wow. And I was like, you said what? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) how can you sit here, you know, three appointments in saying, yes, you understand how I feel. Right. There's no way you understand how I feel. Because unless you've been there, unless you've sat in the darkness, you don't understand what it feels like. Yeah. And I kind of checked out emotionally. I left that appointment and I made the decision that I was done. I said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of, you know, trying to to prove my worth, to to want to be here because I didn't want to be there anymore. And, you know, both, uh, two of my kids had already moved out. I only had my son at home and he was going to be gone in, in six months. And I knew my kids had always been my anchor that had kept me here. And I was terrified that once they were gone, I didn't have that anchor anymore. I felt like no one was going to need me. So I was ready to, to let that go. So I set a date when I walked out of that appointment that I was taking my life in the next month. Wow. Okay. And um, about two weeks before the date I had set, I had a coworker and friend ask if um, I would come to this women's workshop that was ho- being hosted. And I said, well, no, I'm not interested in that whatsoever. <laughs> And, uh, and she says, please, I really want to go, but I don't want to go alone. And I was like, oh, you know, there's my kryptonite because I've always cared about everybody else mm-hmm. and, you know, their needs and wants more than my own. And I didn't want her to, to suffer, you know, or, you know, I wanted her to get the help that she needed. I was probably projecting and not realizing it. So I agreed to go and I pulled up to the workshop and this was two days before the date I had set to end my life. And when I pulled up to that workshop, I had my hunting rifle in the back seat of my car with my bullets, and I was ready to go out that Monday morning and end my life. And I walked into that event and felt sick to my stomach right away because I am looking around at this room full of women who, in my eyes, look like they have it all together. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're excited to be there. And, you know, they, they seem like they're all put together and they have it all together. And I think, you know, I look back on it now and I think how many other women were feeling the same way I was or maybe not as as close, but how many women in that room were suffering, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I went and I took my seat and I got through the first half of the day with, you know, just no no desire to be there. I wasn't connecting with any of the speakers. And then the second half of the event, uh, the afternoon, and a woman takes the stage and she is bald. And she starts talking about living with alopecia and losing her hair as a, as a young child. 
and how she suffered with self-esteem and self-worth and she had no self-love whatsoever and how you know she struggled with feelings of depression and you know alcoholism and drug addiction and it was when she learned that instead of looking outside of herself Mm -hmm. to society to validate her to prove her worth you know to say that you know she was worthy that she would love herself and it was when she learned to love herself that her entire life started to change. Wow. And she's sitting there and she's talking and I'm in my seat and I can hear a little voice that says, you know, what about you? And I think to myself, you know, how different would my life have been if I had learned to love myself? If I had stopped waiting for everyone in my life to say that I was worthy to, you know, to, to love me instead of trying to make up for what I felt, you know, I'd missed by not having, you know, living with my parents and having my grandfather abuse me and then going to this domestic abuse relationship. What if I'd loved myself? And what if that was enough? And I, of course, brushed it off because my, you know, I had made my mind up. And then the next speaker takes the stage and she starts talking about living with mental health struggles and depression for over two decades and how, you know, she'd been suicidal and how she fought the depression for so long. And it was in the moment that she had some clarity that she understood that it was a part of her and that she had to learn to love and accept that part of her as well. Because when you constantly spend your life trying to push it away, it doesn't, you know, you need to pull it in. You pull the darkness in so that the light can get in. And that's when, you know, change happens. It's like, you know, if you have diabetes, you don't, you know, hate yourself because you have diabetes and you don't try to deny that you have diabetes, you have it and you learn to love it. Well, maybe not love it, but you learn to live with it and accept it. And, you know, she talked about how much her life had changed when she accepted that as being a part of herself as well. And again, I'm sitting in that chair and I'm like, huh, you know, what if I had learned to live with my mental health? You know, what if instead of fighting it constantly, which obviously was not working, what if I embraced it as being a part of me and I loved that part of me as well? You know, how different could my life have been? And again, I brushed it off because my mind was made up. And then the last speaker of the day gets on stage and it's a gentleman who talks about having a failed marriage, being an alcoholic, losing custody of his kids, um, and then spending a year trying to find um, a perfect mix of pain medication and alcohol because he suffered so badly with with mental health and, and depression that he wanted to commit suicide, but he wanted to make it look like an accidental overdose. Mm. And on one evening that his wife asked if he would take the kids overnight, and he said yes, that was the night that he found that perfect mix of pain meds and alcohol. And he was laying on his couch knowing that he was slowly overdosing with his kids in the next room. And as he's laying there, he hears a voice that says, no, not like this, not today, there's more. Mm. And he's able to get to his phone. He calls 911, gets to the hospital, and he gets the help that he needs. So he gets clean and sober. He gets into therapy, 
And now he was going around sharing his story in hopes of just touching one person, letting them know that, you know, you're, you're not alone, that, you know, it's okay to struggle, but there is hope. Sure. And as I'm sitting there, as he's finishing talking, I am kind of like, what is going on right now? <laughs> like I'm looking around the room, expecting there to be a hidden camera somewhere, but knowing no one knows what's going on in my head or what my plans were. And I'm thinking, well, no one outside knew what the plans were, but yeah. um, I am like so confused. Cause I'm like, I'm sitting here at an event that I didn't want to go to. <laughs> and I have just heard three stories that have completely touched my life that have dealt with the three areas of my life that I have been struggling with. Mm -hmm. Like what are, what are the chances of this, you know, this moment happening? And I'm realizing that, wait a minute, I'm here for a reason. Absolutely. I am in this chair because I have finally, I was at a point where, you know, I say that, internal fighting that was going on in me for so many years, that fighting had stopped long enough for me to get quiet. And that moment that I got quiet, I was able to hear the message that I was meant to hear. And that was that I was worthy, that I was loved, and that there was more, that there was a greater purpose to my life. Mm -hmm that I wasn't even aware of, that wasn't even on my radar. And I was able to recognize it and embrace it in that moment. And I was like, you know, you hear people talk about a light bulb moment, light switch moment, aha (laughs) moment, whatever you want to call it. I had that moment in that, in that seat. And it was a moment where I went, wait a minute. I know there's more Mm -hmm. right now to my life than what I have been living. You know, I'm going to love myself just as I know, you know, I am, I am truly loved and I am going to, you know, embrace the parts of me that I have been struggling with. I'm going to accept it instead of fighting it. And I'm going to take the experiences that I've had and I'm going to share those with other people who may be feeling the exact same way that I am feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And I said, today I choose to live. That's awesome. And that's exactly, you know, I I left that event and my life drastically changed. And I actually went back to that workshop the next year and spoke on that stage, (laughs) you know, and, you know, with the, with the story and the message that, you know, I, I've been where people have been. If you're in the dark, I've been there and that there is hope. And, you know, I, I left that stage that day, And before I got off the stage, and this is the message I always say is, you know, my purpose for sharing my story is to let people know that they're not alone. And if one person can hear my story and their life be saved, then everything I went through has been worth it. Mm -hmm. And I got off the stage at that event and I was getting ready to run out of the room because I was so nervous. Um, but I had a woman that was in the audience stop me and, and she said, you know, Charlene, you said you wanted to save a life. She goes, I just want you to know today you did. And she turned and walked away. Wow. And I was kind of standing there like almost did I just hear what I heard. <laughs> 
And again, you know, being able to get really quiet, I heard that voice inside of me that said, okay, so let's go find one more. So for me, every day is an opportunity to find one more, one more person who just needs to hear, you know, my story and to know that there is hope when you're in that darkness that you can, you know, rise up out of the ashes. So yes, that's why I'm here with you today. So Charlene, (laughs) you have shared different stages of your life, parts of them saying you were sharing, you ran away. You were running away from the situations. You were running away from th- what was going on in your family, in your marriage, and you didn't want it affecting your, your children. But the one thing that I, I heard when you showed up at the women's workshop is that you did not run away from that. You were literally like, I'm, I'm here, I'm sitting through this thing. Okay, it's uncomfortable, but I'm going to sit it out. And, and I look at those points in people's lives as divine appointments. That was, or the light bulb moment. For me, it's divine appointment. You were supposed to be in there. And, for the, and the idea of you being able to come back to that same workshop and share your story and you affected one person and probably more than one, but that one person was bold enough to come up to you and share that you did change their life. I know that that had to set the pace for you going forward even stronger than before. So what suggestions can you give to women that are currently listening to this and they are struggling to no end for help. What suggestions can you offer for those women? I think for myself, number one, recognizing that you're not alone. And I know for a lot of people that doesn't make it any better when you're going through it, but I know intellectually I knew people had struggled, you know, with the same issues that I had gone through, but hearing story and connecting was so important for me. I mean, knowing that there's a community of people who are out there and supporting and understand and not judging. And for me, and this is something like with the women that I work with now, like I I work on a 3S strategy and it's self-love. Love yourself because when you love yourself, everything changes. Self-love is the most important thing that you can possibly give. And that's, you know, you will set boundaries for other people, but also for yourself and self-acceptance. Again, like accepting, you know, we're not perfect and we're not going to be okay all of the time. And that is one of my biggest messages. It's okay to not be okay. You know, we're not all living a social media picture, perfect life where everything is perfect all the time. It's okay to not be okay but just keep going on the road one step at a time, inch by inch to get to a better place and self-responsibility. I mean, I had lots of reasons and traumas committed, you know, on me and against me where I had lots of reasons to not be okay. But at the end of the day, as an adult, I choose the path that I walk. So I, you know, and taking that self-responsibility was so empowering. It took away the power from 
all of the people from my past and put that power into my own hands where I was able to say, you know what, I am going to make the choices to move my life forward in the direction that I choose. That's, you know, I am directed, you know, to move in, in that direction. So, you know, self-love, self-acceptance, but self-responsibility as well. If you can work on those three areas, everything will start to shift. So how can people get in contact with you, invite you as a speaker, and how can they reach you on via either social media, follow you, or your website? Uh, you can message me on my website. It's www.charlenemadden-speaker.com. And also on social media, I'm on all the social media platforms, Charlene Madden Speaker on Facebook and uh, Charlene underscore Ann underscore Madden at uh, Instagram. So, and on TikTok, which I love watching your TikTok posts as by the way, as well. So, <laughs> Thank you. yeah, so just reach out. And I always like to leave with a message and that's if you are someone who's feeling like you don't have anyone in your life that you can connect to, that you don't have anybody that you can talk to and you're feeling in a dark place, please reach out to me on social media. I am available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Message me on Facebook. I will come and sit virtually with you in the dark until you're ready to rise up. It is so important for me to just get the message out to people that, you know what, you're not alone and uh, and you don't need to go through what you're going through alone. So please reach out and um, and get the help if you need it. So, Charlene, it has been a honor and for you to share and be so transparent about your story. Thank you so much for being a Wove Inspiration and sharing your wealth of information. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for providing such a healing platform and for creating the ripples that you're creating in this world. So, Hey, you guys, this is Althea with Wove Inspiration Podcast. You guys have an awesome day. Take care. God bless. Hey, this is Althea, host and producer of Wove Inspiration Podcast. Wove Inspiration features women and the men who love them, who use their voice to share their stories of overcoming obstacles in life. Everyone has a story, some good, some not so good. The common factors for guests on Wove Inspiration are their solutions and their victorious endings. You can follow us and leave a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Wove Inspiration. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you listen to podcasts.